I went to a place called Watermark. It's down in Dallas, Texas. And I was going there to take part in something called the Watermark Institute. It's a 10-month program where they take you cover to cover in the Bible, uh, and they focus on training you in your head, heart, and hands. And so I didn't realize when I was leaving, stepping out of CMA to go to Watermark, uh, into the Watermark culture, I didn't realize how different and how difficult it was going to be for me. Um, You see, I knew that I needed some help. I knew I needed some maybe more biblical knowledge, maybe some ministry tips, but I was completely unaware of the massive heart change that I personally needed. So I thought I was doing pretty good in ministry when I left. When I left, there was 20 plus leaders in the student ministry. We had over 120 kids coming together. We were having a blast. We capped off my season of ministry with uh, something called Life Conference. We took our kids to. Some of the kids in here went with me on it. It was an amazing trip. I felt like I ended my season at CMA running through the finish line in first place. But when I arrived at Watermark, I found out really quickly that I'm in the back of the pack. And when I got there, I wanna tell you three ways that I just felt super duper exposed. One of the ways was through my good friend, Connor Baxter, who was my boss, and who was also three years younger than me. And, uh, and that was very exposing, because not only was my brother far more competent, not only had he memorized more scripture, knew more about the Bible, was leading larger ministries, but my brother was healthy. He was healthy. And uh, when you get around healthy people, it can expose in the ways that you're not, right? It exposes the ways that you're not. The second thing that happened is when I showed up to the first day of the Institute, I was surrounded with 39 other uh, young people, minus uh, uh, Tommy Trogett. He's a little bit older. Um, and uh, from all, kind of from all over the nation. And they came together in this room. And uh, they were kind of like me. They were big fish, but they came from bigger ponds. And as I was sitting in the room, I fell into a comparison game, the comparison trap where I was looking left and right, and I was like, these guys are studs. Oh, my goodness. And so fear and anxiety started to come on, right? So I studied, um, uh, maybe for a bad reason, but for, uh, it still helped me in a good way. Because of my fear and anxiety, I studied the Word, and I gave myself to the program like I'd never given myself to anything. Uh, and I just studied my heart out. The third way that this uh, culture at Watermark really exposed me was that it was the most authentic community I had ever been a part of. Um, I always kind of bragged as being a, a slightly um, transparent guy, a little bit more vulnerable than most. And in Cody, Wyoming, it's not really hard to be more vulnerable than most. And, uh, but when I got there, I found that there were some depths of my heart that I still had not reached. And I found myself being asked questions like, hey, Greg, what is that sin that you're planning to take to the grave? I remember people coming and asking me and say, hey, Greg, I see you confess it, but what's the last 2% that you don't want to tell me? They would quote verses to me like James 5, 16, which says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. But for the first time in my life, it wasn't people just telling me a verse. They actually believed it. They believed that there was healing found in authenticity. And so they called me to it. So this new culture of excellence, honesty, deep love, healthy living, it rocked my world because I was not much of those things. So if you were to ask Bonnie, my wife, hey, what was that experience like? What was going on in Greg's life? She'd say he was filled with a lot of anxiety, right? A lot of fear. 
because uh, he felt like maybe he wasn't doing a good job. So he studied his face off, and I did. I committed to uh, the word, and I could, you know what? I learned more verses in 10 months than I have in 15 years all combined, and then some. I could tell you the story of the Old Testament from Genesis, uh, Genesis all the way to Nehemiah, and I could point out the Abrahamic and Davidic covenant and how those point to Christ and lead to the foundation of the church. I, I could talk to you about all that. But something else began to change my life. So when I showed up at the end of the fall semester, we do something called a stand and deliver. All of our tests throughout the year are stand and delivers. You show up to class, you're supposed to learn some things the previous week. Blake Holmes, our teacher, or Derek Matthews, would say, hey, Greg, uh, the verse in this past week, stand up, tell it to everybody right now from memory. Hey, uh, I want you to go from Genesis to Joshua. You have five minutes. Do it in front of the class and tell us how it points to, Je- uh, to Jesus. Go. And you just stand up and you just got to deliver. Uh, which you guys, I mean, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Well, at the end of the semester, you're supposed to go and they ask you uh, dozens and dozens of verses. Lots and lots of questions. And they ask you to tell the whole story of the Old Testament from Genesis to Nehemiah in linear fashion in 20 minutes. In front of, uh, for some reason, they tell you to invite your family and friends. And so I have, my wife is there, my bosses are there, the institute people are there, the elders of the local campus that I'm at are there, all the people I fear and respect are in the room. But before you go into the room, they have you in another room uh, to do a few things. And so I was sitting there by myself, just kind of waiting. And you know, the worst thing in the world is waiting. And I was sitting there waiting, and I was just so filled with anxiety. Uh, you, know, you know, can I do this? And the first question I had to answer for my stand to deliver was alone in that room with God. And the question was, uh, am I enough? Like, can I actually do this? But not just can I do this, but am I enough? And as I was sitting there, a verse came to my mind that, praise God, my friends made me memorize. It's Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Some of you know it. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I sat in that room and just waited for what felt like hours and I just repeated that verse over and over and over and over and it was less about being able to repeat the verse and slowly God gave me the peace that that verse was about. And so I would tell you that Bonnie and I are not most, if I were to tell you what we're most proud of, it's not my ability to quote verses and tell you things about the Old Testament and the New Testament. What we are most proud of is God's ability to change lives. When I showed up to my stand and deliver, uh, God answered the question for me, which was the first question. Hey, Greg, are you enough? And uh, the answer was no, but he is. So I walked out of that room alone, but I wasn't alone. I was with God. And I walked in the next room and had an amazing time celebrating with some of my closest friends and the men that I respect more than anybody in this world, celebrating all the things I had learned that year. And then they encouraged me and exhorted me to deeper faithfulness. And friends, I want to do that same thing with you this morning. I want to encourage you in three ways that you are doing a great job, friends, a great job. And I wanna give you three exhortations, three ways that you could still excel still more 
to be more faithful body of Christ. You guys ready for that? Here's what I want to tell you. I know a lot of you have some fears in your faith, and your question is, am I enough? Am I enough? And uh, you need to come to that conclusion on your own, but let me just go ahead and give you the cheat answer. You're not, but God is. So let me encourage you in the ways that God wants to use you, in the ways that God will use you to continue to build his kingdom here in Cody. Let's do this. Three things that our friends, the 13 of us, 13 of us who went, three things that we feel you guys are doing a great job of. The first is this, living in the light. Okay, everybody say that, living in the light. All right, you're awake, good. Uh, while we were down at Watermark, like I said, um, not just me, but our whole team saw a culture of authenticity that was just absolutely refreshing and scary. And uh, one of the things we noticed from the first day, first night we were there, that authenticity was not a piece of a message, right? You ever go to a church and like, they talk all this message, but then there's like this one little tiny portion where a guy suddenly gets out there and, hey, I was you know, a drug addicted sinner and this is what I did and God changed my life. And everyone's like, that's awesome. I'm never gonna join you on that, but well done. It was just, the, the culture of authenticity was from the first worship song to the very end to when we got on the elevator to when we were walking to the coffee shop when we were walking to the parking lot to our cars. Every single place we went, we were hearing stories of God's kindness and goodness to sinners just like us. And uh, it was really, really cool. And I love that because um, the thing about authenticity is authenticity breeds more authenticity, right? Authenticity breeds more authenticity. It's kind of like standing on the edge of a cliff. So uh, a, few, a few years ago, me and some of my friends went to Yellowtail. I don't know if you guys have been to that lake. It's amazing. I love cliff jumping. It is a blast. Um, and so we were up there, and me and my friend Ashley Alexander were up on this thing that we call the diving board. And she had never jumped off before, but I had. And so she's like, hey, I'll do it, but you got to go first. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I've done it multiple times. And you know what I did? I did what most people do. It's like, all right, here we go. Let's go do this. All right, ready? One, two, three. Okay, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. All right, I'm going to do it. I promise. Right? 15 times later, everybody say it with me. One, two, three. And you don't go, right? So I only did it three times that time, okay? But I finally jumped. I took the jump. I took the step and jumped off this thing. It was exciting. Hit the water. Didn't die, right? Um, and... You know what was really amazing about that? Is I hit the water and I had barely three seconds to swim sideways because she just came do, do, do. <laughs> and just went. She just full on went. And uh, I think that's a great picture of hey, I saw you do that. I saw that authenticity. I, told you, I saw you step into the light as Christ is in the light. And that gave me the courage and confidence to also do the same. Uh, I want to tell you guys. First uh, John 1, 7 through 9 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And Ashley and I had fellowship with one another as cliff jumpers. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It just takes one person to go first. And it creates a fellowship of people who get to walk in the freedom of authenticity the reality is, verse eight, if anyone says he has no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And a watermark showed us, hey, we'd be lying to say that we have it all together. We don't. And I don't. 
Not even close. I'm so thankful for their example because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that true? It's in God's word. Seely helped you out. It's true. God wants to cleanse us and it comes through authenticity. I'm so thankful for friends down Dallas set an example, but I'm equally thankful for this family right here in Cody, Wyoming. Because here I have heard stories of people confessing sin for the first time, of sexual sins, drunkenness, suicidal thoughts, infidelity, fear, pride, anxiety, drug addiction, drug dealing, porn addiction, worship of work, worship of kids' sports, materialism, and so much more. That is just in this body. Now, some of you might be thinking, I gotta get out of here. That, this is the people I'm sitting near? And I would say, yes, it is. And they're trying to tell you that the water is fine. God's goodness and kindness and gracious is good. And I'll tell you, uh, John Elmore, one of the leaders down at Watermark who leads uh, the ministry called Regeneration down there, uh, said this while we were at one of the meetings. He said, confession to God brings forgiveness. Confession to others brings healing. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so thankful. Um, because the best example that we had of authenticity while we were down at Watermark was actually from one of our people. And I think the whole group would agree with me when I say this. Uh, we, we were at our Airbnb. We were all sitting together. Uh, Todd and his wife, Alex uh, Wagner, came in, uh, to our house just to hang with us for a little bit. And I told the guys, hey, guys, tell stories of what God has been doing at Outpost in your lives. And uh, Carson Kleinfeld opened up, and he just shared uh, in tears, like, here is what uh, is my, was my past. Here's what I've done. Here's what's happened to me. And in tears, he shared that. And there was not a dry eye in the room as my brother shared these things. And you know what he said? He said, man, I was so afraid to tell others what, what I had done because I was deeply ashamed. I was afraid that they would not go follow me and jump off the cliff with me or that they would swim away from me because they thought I was staining the waters of this Christian church thing. He said, but they did exactly the opposite. And he just broke down and said, and it was the greatest picture of the gospel he had ever seen. Friends, I'm so proud of you that we are becoming a church where in greater and greater degrees, people feel free to have freedom from sin. Sin is a reality, and we're lying and deceiving ourselves that we say we don't have it. But man, Jesus welcomes sinners. And I want to tell you, excel still more. Hey, the second thing I want to encourage you, I feel like we're doing a great job, our whole team feels like you're doing a great job, is embracing community. Embracing community. When we landed in Denver, uh, I got a text from Todd. He was replying with some encouragement to me and the team. And at the end of the text, he put 1 Peter 5, 8. Some of you know it. It says this, be sober-minded, be watchful, right? Don't be so drunken with self-delusion and pride and all these things or anxiety. Get your mind right. Look straight. Be watchful. Why? says this, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's what it says Satan is trying to do. That is what these very real, very gifted and talented demons are trying to do. 
they've had one job for thousands of years and it's convincing you that God is not good. And they're prowling around looking for someone they can devour. You know who lions like to go after when they chase down wildebeest? They like to go for the one that's out on its own. Am I right? They like to isolate. A lion pride will isolate one so they can then surround it and eat that mug. And I think in the church, so often we think we could go and do it on our own. Me and Jesus, baby, I don't need the church. You know what's funny is that wasn't even Jesus' way. He spent time with people. And uh, you may think you're tough being that wildebeest, wildebeest that's over there smoking with the lions. But you ain't that tough, bro. You're next. And uh, I am so thankful that many of you have stopped acting like the Proverbs 18.1 type of man or woman. It says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, don't be a fool. You cannot do it by yourself. You need community. There's no wisdom in running in the Christian journey alone. It's not safe. It's not wise. And can we be honest? It's really not that fun. It's just not that fun. One of the things we saw at Watermark, I should have put this on here, um, but I couldn't encourage you with it because you you're not doing a great job like they are. And trust me, if you saw it, you're not sure that you'd want to do a good job like they are. But they have fun. Can you guys, do you guys know in Christianity, we're allowed to have fun? You can laugh. You can say, shut up and preach out loud in an Easter service. It's amazing. I love it. We get to have fun. And uh, these guys at Watermark were setting the example by saying, hey, man, we love to do life together. We love to laugh. We love to cry. We love to spend time. We love to joke. We love to just be people together living life. And I'm so thankful that many of you have begun to take the steps as membership with us as a community, jump into these communities where you can not just be another Bible study, not just a breakfast club, but life on life togetherness. And you have embraced it. And I'm so proud of you. Hey, you're doing a great job. Man, Colossians 3.16, let, uh, uh, or no, that's, that's a different point. Let me just come back. Different point. First Thessalonians 2.8, one of the guys, when I asked them for feedback, they texted me this verse to share with you guys. It says this, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, we didn't just want to talk Bible with you, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Hey, bro, we're nine months into this, and I already love you. I love you. And you know what? That's all. Yes. And uh, to be honest, and I'm, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, I, ha- I have never felt so loved than by this body. My wife and I feel so loved by y'all. Keep it up. Hey, May 15th, we're having a one-day membership. Typically, our courses are three weeks. It's a great opportunity <laughs> to jump in. May 15th, we'd love for you to come. And you don't have to become a member with us, but I'd love for you to get a chance to hear what we mean by that. Okay? Just to hear what we mean by that, ask us questions, we'll talk with you about it, and to take those steps. Let me tell you uh, just one quick story that I heard in the van on the way back. You do not know what kind of impact your embracing community can have and how dangerous isolation can be. 
uh, my, my buddy Zach Adams, who's in the back, he just shared in the van that uh, something I had never heard. But while I was down in Dallas, he, he just said that there was a season where he felt so alone and hopeless that it was, it was just killing him on the inside. And a buddy of his called him after four days of feeling so alone. A buddy of his called him and just said, just out of the blue, just said, hey, Zach, I just want you to know you're not alone. And he said that was like the buoy of life that just helped him continue in his walk with Jesus. Friends, it just takes a little bit, but what would happen if we excelled still more and lived it? My prayer is that thousands of people in Cody, Wyoming, in the Bighorn Basin would begin to have communities that embrace them, love them, and stick with them. How about you? Let's go. Hey, the uh, third thing that I want to encourage you, I feel like you're doing a great job, guys. You're doing a great job is training disciples. Training disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, tells us to go and make disciples as we baptize in the name of the triune God and as we teach them all that God has commanded us to teach. And I'm thankful for the many ways that this has been a growing value at Outpost. I am truly thankful because counseling others biblically is intimidating. Why? Because you gotta know your Bible. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my Bible is... uh, pretty hefty, all right? This is a big old book. Anybody like, this thing intimidates you at all? Can we just have a little authenticity, raise a hand? Does this intimidate anybody? Okay, six of you. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> it's a big book. It's got a lot of verses, lots of words, lots of chapters. And one of those verses is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, I challenge you to consider that true growth in our walk with Christ cannot come unless God does the growing. Let me say it again. True growth in your walk with Jesus does not happen unless God makes the thing grow, makes you grow. You can read all the chapters, you can memorize all the verses, but unless God builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. What I was jealous of Connor Baxter found true. He memorized more verses, but what I was most jealous of was his health and his maturity his peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is a reliance on God that we have to recognize and embrace in our personal walk with Jesus in order to see effectual change in our lives. But if that is true, let me ask you, why would you not go and listen to what this God has to say? If God's the one that brings growth, why would you listen to him? And so here's what I'll tell you. When I was down at Watermark, I got asked countless times, hey, how's it going up there at Outpost? Hey, bro, how are things at Outpost? And I, with joy and total truth and honesty, got to say, hey, it's going really well. It's going scary well. And you want to know, none of them gave a crap about how many people were attending here. I know my wife wishes I didn't say crap, but I just did. And I now said it a third time. They didn't care. You know what they care about is you. They say, what's happening with these people? 
And I got to tell them, as a, hey, you know, one of the things I think has been, uh, that has been uh, the greatest life-transforming thing happening at Outpost Community Church is this. People are actually reading their Bibles. But it's not my preaching. It's not our programs. It's not these flickering lights in the gym. It's people are actually reading their Bibles. And not in that like once a week, once a month kind of way. I mean, people are actually reading in, like in a growing and progressing way. And uh, it's been awesome. Let me just encourage you to continue to do it more. You guys have heard me say so many times, and I think you're starting to believe it, and I'm so proud of you. You don't need me to teach you the word. You can read the Bible. Don't, don't come up on me in the parking lot and be like, man, the church we were at, we just weren't being fed. We were just starving. I'm like, cool, hey, uh, that's not your previous pastor's fault. That's yours. Tell me why you weren't eating every day. Because I don't care how good they preached or didn't preach. If you're not eating every day, you're going to be hungry no matter what. Get to work. And so I'm so thankful. Now I can tell you, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, you guys have been allowing the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts towards God. And I'm thankful for that. Keep it up. Second Timothy 2.15, man, make it your mantra. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your dash. Put it everywhere. Second Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't have to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So when you're sitting in your car in those anxious moments where you're not sure if you're going to still have a job, you're not sure if your marriage is going to make it, you got things like Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in your mind. You're like, Lord, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let my request be made known to you, and the peace that is yours will be mine. God, I pray you make it mine. That's the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. That's you teaching yourself and others. You hear me? Wake up, outposts. You're doing a great job. Excel still more. Keep it up. I'm so proud of you guys. Proud of you guys. Be like Ezra in Ezra 7.10. One of my favorite Old Testament verses. You know what it says? Ezra 7.10, write this down somewhere. This is what it says. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it, uh, its rules and its statutes to Israel. Man, guys, let's study the way, let's practice the way, and let's teach the way to each other, all right? Because, hey, God is the way. And it's a little bit better than the way you were walking before. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Let's be honest. All right, now let's talk about, those are three encouragements, man. I feel like you guys are doing great. And I hope you truly feel encouraged as a body. Be encouraged, man. But now let me give you three exhortations. These are not call outs, but call ups. That's what I mean by that, all right? And the first one is this. Speak up, okay? Say it with me. Speak up, Okay? Uh, with a little more enthusiasm, let's try it one more time. Hey, let's go. Speak up. When we were in the van, uh, we landed in Denver. Uh, so we drove in a van from here down to Denver. Not a lot of complaining about the eight-hour drive on the way down, but how much complaining do you think we had when we landed in Denver, had to get back into that van and take out eight hours? Do you think there was a lot of grumbling and moaning? Yeah, it felt like Moses in the wilderness with those people. I'm like, look, you know, I, we could drive this into a ditch and just send all of you to heaven right now if you don't stop complaining. Um, I'm totally kidding. I was not thinking about doing that with your husbands and wives. Uh, 
But I knew that we were going to need something on that van ride, and we did. If you go to ask the 12 men and women who were in that van, what was one of their favorite parts of the whole trip? I guarantee you, without a shadow of doubt, they would say that eight-hour car ride back to Cody. Let me tell you why. Because I learned something on that ride that I think we've forgotten. We have forgotten how to encourage one another. We've forgotten. Shoot, you don't even know how to encourage yourself in a biblical, true way. So when we were in the van, I said, hey guys, I wanna hear from each one of you. What's one thing that you learned that God uh, uh, showed you that it impacted your heart and you're excited to bring back Cody, Wyoming to our people? And so each one of them started sharing. On the third person, I was like, all right, hold on. Uh, after a person shares, I want the rest of the van to tell that person how they add value or help raise our core values at Outpost. And then I want you to exhort them and tell them how they could do better to encourage the rest of us in that way. And it started that way, but then it slowly just turned into just like a teary, like encouragement fest. And I'm so thankful we did. Some of the things I heard said about me in the last hour of that van ride were some of the sweetest, most, most faith-increasing things I've ever had said to me. I wasn't walking out of that van with a big head. I was walking out of there with a humble heart, thankful that God would take a guy like me out of pornography addiction, lust, uh, uh, pride, fear of failure, people-pleasing, codependency, lying, name it. You just keep going. That he would take just this wretched boy and uh, he would give me friends like this and he would show me his spirit and show me the truth of his word and he would change me, grow me, transform me as I behold his glory, transform me from one degree of glory to the next till I'm standing here. And I'm not a perfect man, but I'll tell you what, I'm not who I used to be. And what those people said of me sounded almost like, I'm like, is this too good to be true? God, have you really used me in this way to do this to these people? But here's the thing is, I wasn't the only one, every person in that van. We need to begin to speak up to one another encouragements, calling each other forward, saying you're doing a great job, friend. Keep going. And if you're like, man, Greg, counsel is biblically. Where should we do that? I thought the whole Bible was like, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. Well, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, let us consider how to stir one another up and to love and good works. You know, the last time somebody just like, hey, you're, you're just a piece of crap, Greg. You're just trying to stir things up. You're trying to mess everybody. You are just doing this for you. Man, it did not necessarily stir me up to love and good works. Let us consider to stir up one another love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, which is the habit of some of you, but encouraging one another. And all the more as the day draws near. Hey, as the day gets closer, it's only going to get harder and harder and harder to faithfully follow Jesus. Don't you think you're going to need a little uh, encouragement? Anybody in this room just needing just a little bit of encouragement? It's not health, wealth, and gospel, a prosperity gospel to tell you you need encouragement. You need it. Jesus knew that. You need it. But here's the second thing. There's a counterpart. We need to learn how to speak the truth and love to one another. You know what we do more than anything else? We gossip. We don't speak up. We gossip. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Quinn, and they talked about how him and his wife, they do uh, this thing. Like, if any one of them... Uh, in a couple, they see something in somebody they just really like. Like if Allie's like, hey, I really like that girl's hair. I think it looks really pretty. Quinn would be like, go tell her, right? They may not even know him, 
But don't you think that, you know, Allie walking up and say, hey, your hair is just beautiful. I just want to tell you that. You think girls are going to be like, get up off me. No. You'd be like, oh, well, thank you. That's awesome. I just really appreciate it. You know, I've got this new shampoo. It's, you know, oh, man. That's what it's going to be like, right? That girl's going to be glowing. Man, we need to speak up encouragement, but also we need to shut down the gossip. When we see something in somebody that's not necessarily God's best for them, you know, we should shut up talking to other people and we say, you know what, I'm going to go to that person. I'm going to dress myself in humility. I'm going to go and love and say, hey, I love you. I know you want to follow Christ. Hey, I saw something. I heard something. Hey, when you did this, can I just ask you, where's that coming from? Because that just looked a lot more like the enemy's way than God's way. And I love you. And I want you to know that. Hey, do you know that you have a tendency to just shut people down really quickly? I just want to tell you that. Like, is there another way we could do this? Um, can I give you a couple instances? Can I tell you, show you some scripture? We need to do that, right? If you had something in your teeth, don't you want somebody to come and tell you? We need to do it. It's the most loving thing we do. We got to learn to speak up, okay? Kill the gossip. Number two, guys, the second thing is God's love above all else. Guys, that's right. God's love has to be above all else. Often we heard at Watermark, uh, at Church Leaders Conference, that the goal of the conference was not to make smarter sinners, but more loving saints. CLC was less about tips and tricks and more about loving God and others, as it should be, am I right? John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment, just Jesus talking to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you are to what? Love one another. As, and what was the standard? His love. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. Man, for so long, guys, my heart has clung to achievement and the opinions of you uh, for my affirmation, for my love, for my approval. But now I can say with all authenticity that my greatest longing is that the heart that is in my chest and the heart that is in your chest would be overwhelmed by the love of God. And that Christ's love for you would compel you to love the people that God loves. Newsflash, there's not a single human being who's ever walked the face of this earth that God has not loved. Not one. So instead of asking ourselves questions about buildings, butts, budgets, might we begin to ask each other questions like, hey, are people believing in Christ? Hey, guys, are, are people belonging to his body? Are they a part? Are they being trained in truth? Are they being strong in ministry and worship? Because it's about God more than it is about the buildings. It's about the fruit of the faith, fruit of the spirit, more than it is about the weight of the coffers, the size of the bank account. While I was worshiping there, uh, I was literally sitting in a room that is a beautiful campus, a beautiful church with 3,000 chairs and everything that looks like success. 
And uh, while we were worshiping, and it was just great, there was just a moment. Sometimes I worship God most when I'm not singing during worship. And I just sat there, and I just began to. One of the lyrics in the song was, you know my history. And I just paused for a second, and I just thought back to my history. And I thought back to the man I was before God revealed to me the gospel and showed me his love for me. And I was so overwhelmed by who I was and what he has done to me now, where I was standing then. And I, was, and I just started to ask myself a question. I started to pray to God. I was like, God, is there really anything that you're not allowed to ask me? Is there really any person on this planet that you're not allowed to ask me to love? Am I, am I not putting everything on the table? Are there things that I'm saying, all right, God, you can ask me anything, but not that. You can call me to love anybody, but not that person. And I realized that Christ's love for me dictates anything he wants to ask of me. I am his, and that is it. End of discussion. Question is, are you his? Man, it's gotta be God's love above everything else. It reminded me of Psalm 8, three through four. Beautiful. David says this. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, what is Greg that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you care about him? Man, brothers, sisters, I hope you know, God loves you. God loves you. When we, we stopped just outside of Casper, we hit this gas station, we went inside, and we were talking so much, and it got dark, I didn't even know where we were anymore. So we went to this gas station, I was like, I've never even seen this gas station. And so I went up to the lady at the desk, it was a girl, and I said, hey, where are we? She's like, you're outside of Casper. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know why that's so funny. Um, but I was like, hey, uh, where are you from? She's like, well, I'm from Casper. And I was like, oh, okay, so you grew up in Casper. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Casper. What's your name? My name is Asia. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Um, and let's, let's, can I talk to you for a second? So we're talking. And I mean, we got to go. Like, we got to get in the van. We want to get home. We're going to get home by midnight. And I was like, hey, Asia, can I just tell you one thing? Uh, I said, hey, do you have faith? She's like, no. I said, like, do you believe there's a God? She's like, there's got to be something. And I was like, yeah, can I tell you that I do believe in that God? And can I tell you right now, he loves you. He loves you. And more than I can express to you right now over this countertop. But Asia, he loves you. And uh, my buddy Carson went to a church here in Casper. Uh, it's named this. I would encourage you to go check it out. If you go there and you find out, man, it's not where I'm gonna be, totally fine. No, no, no offense. But I just want you to know, there is a God there who loves you. And he'd love to talk to you. And we rolled out. Which leads me to the next thing. Guys, here's my last exhortation for you. We've gotta be outspoken in our faith. We have to be outspoken in our faith. I have been greatly encouraged by the openness of the Outpost family uh, when it comes to talking about Outpost Community Church. But sometimes I wonder that the source of our excitement is misplaced. I wonder if sometimes we allow uh, Outpost Community Church to get in the way of what the mission really is. Because far too often we fall into the trap of inviting people into a relationship with the church, but not with the Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we get wrapped up in Sundays and not the sun, we can get in a lot of trouble. And Sundays are great. Let me be honest, I love Sundays. I love them. But nothing compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And if that is true, then there is no greater work on the planet that any man, woman, and child can be a part of than helping somebody know the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's it. So church, let me ask you, are we engaging missionally? It's a personal question. What does it look like on your side of the field? Let me just tell you, man, 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23, it said, Paul says this, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. See, I become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. I do all for the sake of the gospel that they may share in, uh, you guys can come up, uh, share in the blessings with me. Guys, we have got to realize that God is with us. Has not God commanded us to go and make disciples, hasn't he? And if God has commanded you, then fear not and be not dismayed for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You guys have neighbors that I don't know and they're not my neighbors. You've got coworkers that I don't know and they're not my coworkers. But every single one of our neighbors, every single one of our coworkers is known by God. And uh, God's plan A is you. And there is no plan B. So let me tell you, of our six core values, the one core value that I think is still aspirational and not actual is engaging missionally. And I want to exhort you to be faithful, to step out. But don't, be, don't have faith in yourself and your ability to speak. Have faith in God. Like the blind man that Jesus healed, and he's being asked, hey, who healed you? What did he do? Is he a sinner? And what did the blind man say? Hey, listen, I don't know if he's a sinner, but I do know this. I once was blind, but now I see. That's all it takes. You don't have to have the answers to every question, but you can say, you, can, you know more than the blind man. You can say, listen, I do know that Christ was not a sinner that he was a perfect man, but he was also a perfect God who laid himself down on the cross so that I might be free. So friend, that you might be free. Like, can I tell you of what he has done in my life, how he has transformed me? I used to be just an alcoholic beggar who was just addicted and lost and hopeless, but I am not those things anymore. Asia, can I tell you, I have been set free. And I can tell you with full confidence that God loves you because I know with full confidence he loves me. Friends, don't let that be a Sunday thing. Let it be an everyday thing. Spurgeon said this, a dauntless face, faith in God brushes fear aside like cobwebs in a giant's path. Let me say it again. A dauntless faith in God brushes fear aside like cobwebs in a giant's path. Be faithful. And friends, hope that you could see the crossing. Let's go church let's go we can do this you're doing a great job you can excel still more but good news we get to do this together amen Amen. father thank you for your deep and rich love for us i pray we celebrate and be of good faith because you really are using us God, I pray that we would have faith knowing that the ways we are, uh, the enemy is saying that we're not good enough. We just know that the answer is that may be true, but God, you truly are. Show us you are good. And may the church of the Lord Jesus Christ be famous in Cody, Wyoming. Pray that in Jesus' name.